This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The all-new Hyundai i20. Ireland's fastest growing small family car this year. The Motor Press say, the old guard need to be wary of being overtaken. See what they mean by taking a test drive in the striking all-new Hyundai i20. The daring super mini that's shaking up the competition. Visit your local Hyundai dealer today. Fastest growing small family car this year based on the most recently published monthly figures. Hello and welcome to Talking Point, the podcast by Planet F1. I'm Finn Kroboda, and uh, joining me today to discuss the 2021 Monaco Grand Prix is Henry Valentine. Henry, how's it going? It's going all right, thank you. Yeah, it was um, it was one of those races where there's still plenty to talk about, even though absolutely nothing happened. Yeah, Oops, yeah, weird it's, one. Yeah, it's a strange one. It turns out on track action, we had about well one occasion of it in the TV director cutaway. Anyway, mm. uh, but he didn't yeah. want to see Lance Stroll jumping over the swimming pool, you know. <laughs> Uh, madness but yeah like you said we do still have lots to talk about because it had um well lots happened off track and it, it had a big effect on on the championship so uh, in the longer term so um well the only place to start really is at the front of course with Max Verstappen winning his uh, first ever Monaco Grand Prix in pretty comfortable fashion yeah obviously a lot of factors went his way his life was made easier by two retirements but even so it was um pretty pretty darn good drive from him wasn't it absolutely yeah he um yeah it was absolutely manner from heaven from him that uh the Charles Leclerc couldn't even start the race which I know we'll we'll get on to very shortly but um you know his start was very very deliberate wasn't it he he angled his car like directly towards Valtteri Bottas made sure he got you know just enough of a good getaway to <laughs> to almost shove him into the wall and then from then on he yeah he got away a bit controlled it well um and it was pretty much as as simple a race around monaco as it could have been for him which um which paid even more dividends when when lewis hamilton had such a tough weekend yeah 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 no it was um probably his well one of his best wins i'd say 
given the track it was at too. And I mean, it felt like such an important win, I think, because, uh, you know, with Mercedes having a, a bit of a horror show, he obviously took the lead of the championship for the first time ever, which feels strange to say because he's obviously been at the front of the, of things for so long. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. Look, looking at it, you, uh, it was the first time this season that I kind of came out of it thinking, oh, he could actually, he could actually win the title this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, I read this morning that it's not just the first time he's led the Formula One World Championship. Apparently, it's the first time he's ever led a car World Championship as well. <laughs> I mean, so he's won he pretty much everything in karting. But it's, but for him to finally take that step up and um, like what what he did uh, on Sunday that Sebastian Vettel couldn't do, maybe say 2017 or 18, is when Lewis Hamilton had a bad weekend on a rare one, he took full advantage of it. And now, yeah, now leading the World Championship for the first time, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to that and how, um, how, even more importantly, Lewis Hamilton could try and bounce back in Baku because I think that would be really interesting to see. The, the, the big step Verstappen made was if you look at his like previous races he's won, he hasn't really been the favourite and I think he prefers that. You know, when he's had the pressure, when mm. he's been expected to do well, he's, he's struggled quite a lot. Um, you know, I remember Mexico a few years ago when Red Bull looked strongest and everyone thought he was going to get pole and then... You know, Ricardo took it from him last minute. And there's been quite a few occasions like that where he's been the favourite and he hasn't really handled it too well. But I mean, obviously he was the big favourite in Monaco after Leclerc pulled out. And yeah, he never really looked like giving it up. No, exactly. He he didn't look like he didn't look like he was in trouble at any point. It was um it was one of those where I mean, do, do we dare call it a coming of age drive, even though he's been in Formula One for about six years now? Um it, it was definitely one of them where you sensed a bit of a, a change within him at the weekend. And soon as um I mean <laughs> I mean on Saturday in qualifying he had that really, really sweary team radio rant after um after the Claire crashed. And um it's almost like he managed to reset himself and um once once he pulled out, it was um, it was pretty plain sailing for him, really. Yeah, it's a nice relaxed Sunday drive, really. It was, uh, mm. yeah, and, and I mean, um, yeah, it's obviously, yeah. If you, he did effectively start on pole, even though he was on the P two grid slot, and he, you know, if you start on pole, you should be expected to win. But mm. even so, it was. I think it was just the manner of it. You know, he never sounded flustered. There was never a moment where you thought, oh you know, could signs get him in the pits or anything or yeah. um, even when, even before Bottas retired, Verstappen still kept that gap pretty steady. Yeah, I don't know. So looking ahead then, yeah. driving like that, you reckon he can, he can keep this going against Hamilton? <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. It was one of those afternoons uh, on Sunday that made you sort of realise just how much he's improved in race management as well because any time Bottas got reasonably close to him because there were occasions where he sort of pulled out a four or five second gap and then he got it back to within about a second and a half and he he just managed to pull out those lap times when he needed to. I think there was there was one point when Sainz was about eight or nine seconds behind and then he got down to less than two seconds and he just managed to eke it out again. So I think that's... Um, something that bodes well for him but at the same time it's uh it's another angle to his uh to his driving that lewis needs to watch out for in in the upcoming races because um like he's like he's now the hunter again lewis and it'll be um it'll be good to see how he reacts to that because he's not been in that position for a long long time no no and we've never had this situation where it's hamilton chasing down verstappen i think when he went up against vettel Hamilton kind of thrived on that chasing, chasing Vettel down. Cause I mean, I think, I think both years 
Vettel had a fairly hefty lead at one point after a few yeah. races. So, um, no, I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, obviously, Verstappen's day was made a lot better by the fact that Hamilton didn't have a particularly good day himself. I don't know, he just never really looked on it this weekend, did he? No, it's <laughs> again, it's the first first time you could say from Lewis for a very, very long time that he just didn't look on it from the start. I mean, Bottas comfortably outqualified him. Um, he didn't have a good time throughout all of free practice as well. And it just looked like one of those weekends where he, well, it looked like one of those weekends in probably the sort of 2000 to 2009 to maybe 11 era where every so often he would just have a weekend where nothing would really happen for him. And um, he, yeah, he just, he just wasn't on it at all. And obviously, uh, speaking of sweary team radio, he uh, <laughs> he had um, a few angry moments, obviously, because uh, not, not only was um, his attempt at an undercut on Pierre Gasly a bad one, he then lost out to, to Sebastian Vettel and Sergio Perez as well while being stuck behind him. So there were a few things that, that um, compounded against him. And uh, yeah, just, just just didn't, like nothing really felt right from him from uh, from Thursday morning, really, in practice. No, no, it, it reminded me a lot of in 2016 when he was obviously fighting Rosberg for the title, and he just had those weekends. I think, I think Singapore was the main one that I looked at and remember, you know, thinking, you know, it, it's not the Hamilton we know. You know, it's kind of a shadow of his usual self, and his driving isn't great. And then he kind of takes it out on the team radio, which I don't think too constructive either can't blame him for it obviously i mean to be yeah. fair this time around it, it was his team's fault that yeah he lost it. all those places um yeah <laughs> poor bono he gets it in the year when uh, when things don't go well does he but it's um but that, that, i'd say that's pretty commonplace up and down the grid but i think mm. we just hear it more because because it's from uh because it's from lewis and when when things don't go well they really don't go well for him yeah i don't know do you do you think it is just one off do you think there's any reason to think that that this is maybe a bit of a concern for his title aspirations. Uh, well, Toto Wolf said that they're that Mercedes are only planning on making t- well, in his words tiny tweaks to the car like from now to the rest of the season. I mean, I don't know how much I believe that, but you know, I think they're relying on Lewis to to sort of drag drag the car as far as he can. But I think if if it carries on in this trend, I think they'll. Um, They'll probably uh, probably take another look at it because you know, in Lewis's own words on social media, to um, to, to quote the man himself, this weekend sucked balls. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I I think it it did show maybe just how because we kind of figure, you don't talk about it as much now because it's kind of a given, but I think it did show how important that Mercedes engine is just in straight line speed because obviously they weren't very special in terms of pace this weekend. Um, and neither were McLaren really compared to their main competitors, Ferrari. And yeah, I think it did show that that Mercedes engine does give them such an advantage in terms of straight line speed. So I mean, and that that is absolutely everything in Baku, isn't it? So yeah, that, exactly, you know, that could yeah. rectify itself next time out. Yeah. But obviously, uh, well, actually, Baku's a bit of a tale of two tracks, isn't it? Because that second sector is so twisty and technical and tight. Yeah. That, that you know, it would be really interesting to see how it plays out next time, but. Yeah, I think that's um, that's the next next kind of litmus test for them. And um, like you say, I think around Singapore, for example, where um, similar characteristics to Monaco, that can make them struggle again later in the year. So that'll be um, 
be really interesting to see which uh, which tracks play into to Red Bull on Honda's hands and which for Mercedes, which, yeah, again, it's another dimension to the season. I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out with them. Yeah, it's great that they have such different cars. It's again like Ferrari v, v Mercedes 2017 and 2018. You're looking at tracks and seeing which ones benefit, but which cars, you know, if they had similar ones, then it'd kind of be, you know, they'd, they'd balance out throughout. So yeah, it makes more interesting. And um, well, so does the fact that Red Bull now lead Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship by a single point, which uh, mm. I don't think anybody would have seen coming before the weekend. But well, for this, I think we have to got to give props to Sergio Perez, don't we? Started in started well, P9. With P9, yeah. So then uh, P8 once Leclerc pulled out and got all the way up to P4, just you know, with the with the overcut, some seriously good laps. Um, once everyone had pitted, I mean, it was. I don't know. What do you reckon? Best drive since he joined Red Bull? Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, obviously for for Checo, it's one of those where um, he just can't seem to to get a full weekend together yet. So he's had good qualifying sessions and he's had good races, but he's not had the two together yet. in in Monaco qualifying, obviously you'd say he was uh, was out of position, and um, but this <laughs> I've used the phrase the tire masseuse before, and I'm pretty sure like he just managed those tires brilliantly. And as soon as he needed to get the hammer down, he just did, and he was comfortably the fastest man on track. Verstappen came out the pits behind him, and that there were thoughts, oh, like he's just going to move over for him. But he actually pulled away from him, and just gained that time that he needed to gain. And um, yeah, leapfrog three cars in in the pit window, which is uh, which is brilliant for not only his confidence but the team's confidence in him. I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was uh, I mean, it was the exact sort of drive that they need from him. Really, you know, it, it right up there. Not, 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 not to the extent where he's causing issues with Verstappen, but still picking up a lot of points himself. Um, I mean, he's not far off, off, off Bottas in the standings now, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's all gone pretty well. And I think he probably, if it was any other track, he would have got a podium, wouldn't he? Cause he was, yeah. The pace deficit to Norris at the end was just so big. He was catching so quickly, but again, I think it was about, that main that main strength of his managing his tires, you know. I mean, I remember in the first stint he was behind Vettel and he wasn't really closing on him, you know. Mm. Three seconds out behind for a lot of it, and I remember looking at it and thinking, "Oh, it's another another poor race for him." But it turned out he was just saving his tires because as soon as he got yeah. that free air, he was so much quicker. And then it happened again in the second stint, you know. Once it got to like 15, 15 laps left, he just caught Norris so quickly. Just, just to add to that as well, I think, um, I mean, obviously you say three second gap, but that, that that in itself is kind of race management because he was staying out the turbulent air, which meant he was able to preserve those tyres even like, even longer. So the Red Bull strategist obviously saw that there must have been like, a gap for him to be able to just drive into the distance and um, it, it paid off for them. It really worked. And, we, you know, we gave Mercedes that much praise for, for their strategy in Barcelona. I think we need to probably do the same for Red Bull uh, for, for this time around for Monaco, because I think that um, that played a big part in um, in Perez being able to to overcut, because I'd imagine they'd have seen um, how well it worked for, uh, for uh, Sebastian Vettel, who we'll probably get onto in a minute. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was a really, really good move from them. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think he Within one single move, I think that of all of them, that was the one that gained the most places for any driver, really. And yeah, like we said, gave Red Bull the lead in the standings. Um, although that is only because uh, of the the disaster for Valtteri Bottas, who 
who was actually he like Perez, he was also looking well. I mean, all weekend he was looking really good, wasn't he? Yeah, you have to feel sorry for him, really, because he had, like I said earlier, he had a much better weekend than Hamilton anyway. And it can't be easy to focus when all anyone is saying about you is, are you going to be leaving the team? And then you comfortably out-qualify your, um, your seven-time world champion teammate. You're looking like you're, um, you're definitely staying in touch for the win, at least. And then you get into the pits and then your right front tyre just won't just won't come off um which is which is a horrible way for his weekend to end as well because the only thing that matters at the end of the day are points on the board and he he would have got plenty and yeah yeah for for that to happen to him i think it's just yeah it's just bad luck above all else and i I do actually feel sorry for him after after my it is funny we're here talking about you know what everyone in the sports they're saying ah may as well just get rid of bottas bring russell in i mean bottas isn't all that but i mean he's just gone a whole weekend comfortably outperforming Lewis Hamilton, which I don't think you could really say about many drivers on the grid could do that. You know, I think just no. the, the fact that he's alongside Hamilton and up against Verstappen as well, maybe makes him look a bit, bit average, but you can look at that and you wonder if you put him against a standard driver, not like the top, top tier, he'd probably, he'd probably be right up there, you know? So with him, with Perez looking good, I mean, Hopefully, Baku we can get a four-way fight. Yeah, well, then that'd be um, that'd be really interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, obviously, we've still got plenty to talk about from Monaco, but I think, yeah, I think Baku back. Well, every year for Baku, it's just been a great race. So hopefully, hopefully, it'll be the same again. I think one thing that's going to be different there, though, is um, from Monaco is the fact that in Monaco, Ferrari were right up there as well. They were oh. every bit as quick as as Red Bull and Mercedes. You could even say quicker. Obviously, that that red flag in qualifying preventing prevented others from doing their second runs. But you know, first things first, discussing the kind of Ferrari McLaren group. I mean, pole at Leclerc yeah, it was quite something, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was um, it was one of those where uh, uh, where everyone's eyebrows are kind of raised in FP two when uh, when Ferrari just it was a one-two in free practice and and that suddenly made people go oh, hang on a minute um they look like they made a good step in um in barcelona but equally in monaco that like that shows where downforce is king and like cornering is so important that shows that ferrari have got a good car underneath them and if if they can um if they can keep working on that i mean obviously they don't want to work on it too much because it will hamper them for for next year but i think you know that's that's a that's a good, really, really good positive sign for them. And um, obviously, yeah, feel awful for Charles Leclerc not being able to, to start his home race. He's not finished any race at Monaco in Formula 2 or Formula 1. So you'd really hope for him that, that that curse lifts at some point. But Carlos Sainz definitely made the most of what was available to him on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I think Sainz is... Uh... Of all the drivers to join new teams, he's looking looking the best, I think. He looks so so comfortable so quickly, and he's the only one, really, that's having uh, good Saturdays and good Sundays consistently. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, better than I expected him to do, to be honest. You know, I thought that, that I, 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 you know, I, I rated him, but I thought that Leclerc was going to be a pretty good way ahead of him but that hasn't really been the case and obviously Leclerc did get pole um and then wasn't able to compete in the race but all weekend really signs looked pretty much a match for him which um yeah it's a bit of a surprise to me yeah I don't know I mean I think um I, I, Will Buxton um 
wrote when uh, when Sainz got the Ferrari seat. You know, he could he could be the sort of perfect uh, foil for for Charles Leclerc in that he could um, sort of pick up the pieces when uh, when things don't go right for him. And that's exactly what happened. And I think um, yeah, I think Sainz is only uh, two points behind Leclerc now in in the World Championship. And that you know, I think. Uh, you're, you're definitely right. He's um, uh, he's performed by far and away the best uh, out of anyone who moved teams over over the course of uh, of last season. I think he's he's now justified why um, why Ferrari well <laughs> parted ways with Sebastian Vettel. I don't know if um, if Vettel had too much choice in that, but I think that yeah, he's he's showing that that decision was the right one. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. Oh, you just wish there were more tracks like this now, don't you? Because we had a real yeah. genuine three-way fight in terms of teams for for the for the win for pole position. I, I mean, it just shows that, yeah, like you said, Ferrari do have a really good car. I think it's just that that engine's probably holding them back, um, mm. even though it is a lot better than it was last year. It's still holding yeah. them back. But I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's definitely encouraging signs going forward, you know, for next year. If they if they can already build a car like that, then with with yeah. the chance to to change the engine, do more work on the engine again, I mean they could be right back in the mix. And um, with a driver lineup that's capable of of fighting for titles, yeah, exactly. And um, and that's going to be huge for them in the fight with McLaren. But <laughs> on the McLaren front, it was such a tailor two weekends, wasn't it? I mean, don't get me wrong, the car looked absolutely brilliant, but uh, only one driver showed themselves to <laughs> to to look really good at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, and if you told me, you know, if if I heard that now, having not seen the race, I'd have assumed, oh, right, so Ricardo had a great race and Norris struggled because, I mean, mm. Ricardo's like, as he said himself, he owns those streets. He's uh, yeah. he's so good in Monaco previously. He's got two pole yeah. positions there. One yeah, he win. had a win. Should have, <laughs> should have yeah. had a second, yeah. Should, should have had two <laughs> wins, yeah. But he was just, oh, the gap between them was huge. I mean, he was lapped lapped by Lando Norris in the same car I get that he was stuck in traffic but I don't know he just never looked like doing anything you know not not in the pits not on track yeah I mean yeah it was just it it's starting to become a bit of a concern his form I think yeah he even said after practice that he felt like he was putting good laps in and then his engineer was saying he was p15 so he didn't really know where the problems lay and he's you know he even said that the um that the setups between him and lando weren't weren't too different you know and um it is it is worrying because after barcelona we thought you know the green shoots were there he was starting to get formed very comfortably outpaced norris over over the course of a whole weekend but uh, this this completely looked like back to square one for him, which um, which will be a concern. I mean, he's gone well around Baku before. I mean, barring the the crash with, uh, with Max Verstappen, um, uh, Red Bull. But yeah, five races in, you'd have hoped he'd have started to pick up that form. And uh, yeah, like you say, I think it's uh, like slight signs of worry for him. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, he's still got um, another year or two in his contract after this. And um, the, those two are gonna, going to be McLaren's drivers for 2022 and, and I think 2023 as well. So he's got time to turn it around. But it's, um, yeah, these aren't brilliant signs for him at the moment. No, like, I don't have any concerns that he's, you know, lost his touch or anything. I still fully believe he's up there with, with the very best on the grid. I just think this year might be a write-off for him now. You know, it, it seems mm. like maybe it will just take him a year to get used to the car, which, I mean, isn't a disaster. It's not the most important of years, I guess. It is kind of just kind of waiting around for the regulations now. So 
yeah, it's not the end of the world, but it is just, it's such a shocking. I mean, I, you know, yeah. Don't know what what it is. Maybe you know. Obviously, he said he's using a similar setup to Norris. Maybe that's where he's going wrong. I mean, yeah, I think they have quite different driving styles. Maybe he needs to be a bit riskier on that front. But then, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one because I mean, the gap between the two of them was just so big. But then, to be fair, we do have to give credit to Norris too, don't we? I mean, oh, one hundred percent. He got second podium of the season. He's pretty i mean he's consolidated p3 in the standings yeah um, i was gonna say in, yeah. in the fourth best car probably yeah above bottas and perez as well which is which is huge i mean that's great news for him and um i'd imagine that's why mclaren tried to sort of tie him down to a longer contract which they managed to do uh, we, we only know it's multi-year we don't know how many years but that's um uh that's great for him I mean, but yeah for mclaren to to sign him i think that's a real statement of intent from them because he has just gone on to another level this year i mean lapping your teammate is the ultimate sign of like <laughs> that's the ultimate sign of superiority over a weekend really isn't it and uh, for him to do that and get another podium like full full credit to him and it <laughs> for him to uh sorry to see him and uh and Sykes on the podium together was a lovely lovely moment too yeah yeah and it's huge for mclaren as well to have one of their own doing so well i mean it's the yeah. first time since Hamilton, really, that they've had that. Obviously, yeah, Magnussen and Van Dorn didn't work out the way they were hoping. Only driver in the top six not to be a not to ever drive for Red Bull or be a part of that academy, which is crazy as well. Um, wow, that is a stat. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it is great for McLaren, and I, I do think that if they hadn't signed him up, then he'd be probably linked to Mercedes at this point. You know, we told mm-hmm. Wolf came out a few weeks ago and said they were looking at other young drivers. And first thought yeah. is Norris in that part. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, they've got one, one yeah, Norris performing that well. If Ricardo can get back to his best as well, then you've got, well, a seriously strong lineup. But um, I don't know, not thinking too far ahead in terms of this season alone. Are you kind of thinking Ferrari have got the upper hand in that battle for P3 now? Or do you think it's going to, a bit like Red Bull and Mercedes switch depending on the tracks? Yeah, it's hard to say at the moment. It looks like it looked like McLaren were ahead at the start, and it looks like Ferrari have clawed it back. But um, but like you say, I think like Ferrari have clearly shown that they've they've got a car that goes well around corners. But it's the it's the straights that let them down, and and McLaren with the Mercedes engine in the back should should comfortably have them at circuits like Spa and Baku and and Silverstone. It'll just be um, yeah, it'll be another thing to look out for. And yeah, that that bodes well for for the rest of the season for sure. And um, and it's just great seeing the two of them compete against each other again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so great to see them alongside each other again and fighting for fighting for the the big points as well. You know, they're not fighting for P nine, P ten. They're yeah, they're they're up there for P five, P six, and then even podiums when when a Red Bull or Mercedes driver, you know, gets ends up a bit further back or has some issues. So um, no, it, it's it's shaping up to be a really good season from a constructors' perspective. You know, it looks like there could even be a fight for, for P5 now because obviously Alpine kind of looks to be in a bit of a league of their own in that position. But um, that wasn't the case in Monaco. Aston Martin had a great weekend, led by Sebastian Vettel, who <laughs> had his best race in, God, a long time. A long, long, long time. I mean, he, he won driver of the day as well. And it, you you know what? It's it's fair to see why he, he 
he managed to overcut uh, Hamilton and Gasly. And, um, you know, the one, the one moment where, um, where we actually had some sort of fight for, for a position, as we mentioned, when we just got deprived of it from, uh, from the TV, I watched the, uh, yeah. the highlights of the race again this morning on YouTube and they, they cleverly managed to edit in the, uh, <laughs> the rest of the fight, for the, <laughs> rest of the fight for the position. But that's, you know, that's just me being a cynic, but um, the fair play to, to Seb because he, he needed a weekend like that. And for him to, he, again, he was comfortably ahead of Lance Stroll all weekend. And like you'd hope for his sake that he's now starting to get used to that car and and they've shown more of a turn of pace. But you, <laughs> you do wonder if it's one of them where, um, where Aston Martin are just just better in in slow speed corners and things but it's yeah it's great for for both cars to get into the points I think it's their first double points finish of the season and um yeah hopefully f- from their point of view they'll be able to to step up and um and keep that going for Vettel it really felt like the Vettel of old you know he was mm. uh smiling on his face pretty light going uh even did his classic old index finger point when he crossed the line uh <laughs> You know, ring and ding ding on the radio. It was, yeah. it, it felt like the Vettel that did win, that was good enough to win four world championships in a row. Mm. Um, which, you know, even when he's had good races with Ferrari, that a lot of the time that hasn't felt like the case because he's been so, uh, I don't know, not like last year, he had some good races, not too many, but he just never seemed particularly happy. Um, no, that's it. He, he got that podium in Turkey, didn't he? But yeah. other than that, it wasn't, you know, it, it was arguably his worst season in formula one yeah i'd say so yeah yeah, yeah but it's, it's it's good that he's um that he, he's he was looking good again at the weekend and uh, <laughs> another one where you hope for his sake that he's able to to carry that on and, and start pushing on because you know it looks like the younger teammates in these teams seem to have the upper hand at the minute but um you know if that's could keep that going he'll he'll soon turn that tide yeah Vettel was the only the only older head really that managed to get the better of a younger teammate i mean we had Ocon beat Alonso. Uh, Quite comfortably, G- yeah. Comfortably, yeah. Uh, Giovinazzi beat Raikkonen. Norris beat yeah. Ricardo. It's good. It's definitely good. It's good for the sport to have these younger drivers step it up, you know? And I mean, Ocon and Giovinazzi in particular, they look like they've made a lot of progress over the over the winter. But um, yeah. I don't, Alonso and Raikkonen, two oldest drivers on the grid, you're starting to think maybe, maybe their day's done. They should... Call it, call it, are you going to cool things off at the end of the year? Or is it too soon, do you think? Um, maybe too soon. There are still a lot of races left to go in this season, but uh, you still have to give full props to Ocon and Giovinazzi as well because they're both out of contract at the end of the year, so they really need to to show their talent. But, I mean, like neither of them have really previously had a car where they can compete at the front, but they both seem to be getting the most out of what's available to them at the minute. So you can't, you know, you can't knock them for that either. And it's... Um, yeah, it's encouraging for them because it does make you wonder um, if if those if they both keep up their form, they wonder where that leaves Pierre Gasly, even though he had a brilliant weekend. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, Gasly. Again, he was one of the drivers of the day, but mm. you can't see him staying at AlphaTauri long term. But uh, oh god, no! There's just no room elsewhere for him until until I guess until Alonso leaves. But that's not going to be until the end of next year at the least. So. Uh, yeah, no, it's it, it, yeah, it's it's good to see Ocon uh, especially doing well, but it's um yeah, it's definitely hurt Gasly. Although to be fair, Ocon keeps driving like this. Toto Wolf could be having some interesting conversations <laughs> with him soon. 
looking at looking at the other younger drivers, obviously the three rookies, Schumacher, Sonoda, Mazepin, I think it's worth a mention for them because um well, Monaco, arguably the biggest challenge on the uh, F1 calendar. Maybe maybe Singapore gives it a run for its money. But um, they all finished all, all, all without crashing. So it um, wasn't the great great results, especially for Sonoda, obviously finishing all the way down in P16, 10 places behind his teammate. But, um, well, getting to the end something for them, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, um, like both Schumacher and Sonoda had uh, took a fairly hefty whack in, in practice sessions and um, the Mick Schumacher was ruled out of qualifying completely because of it. So, um, you know, track time is so important around Monaco. And um, I remember <laughs> Sonoda said before the weekend that uh, obviously he'd never even driven a lap of Monaco before. So he was trying to, to learn it on the um, on the PlayStation. And then just um, he said he kept crashing. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, there's finally the limit on uh, <laughs> on that and then in real life life but um yeah it's um it's good that it's good that they all managed to finish i mean Haas were were two laps down on their like on even on sonoda i think so um i mean that just shows like how far behind they are around the corners which is you know it's a big shame but for for two rookies they're still learning and, and mazapin didn't do a mazapin no. He stayed on the track. He he beat Mick Schumacher. That's that's not happened yet. No, no, he, he beat Schumacher. He didn't crash. He didn't get in people's ways when when get, being shown blue flags. Yeah, I mean, it was a big a big step forward for him this weekend. I feel like uh, that's probably you know Hass are probably going to be fairly happy with how their weekend went just because mm. of that. Really, it was yeah, it's the sort of the sort of weekend he needed and he that he needs to keep having. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, hopefully, you know, a few races in, he is able to... Well, he even said himself that he predicts um, a much more intense battle with uh, with Mick Schumacher towards the end of the season. But it, uh, I think it's a bit too early to say that. It, it, he had one good weekend, and if, if he can keep that up, then good on him. And um, I'm more worried about Sonoda, though, because he, you know, he was way behind Pierre Gasly this weekend. Look, don't get me wrong, it's the hardest track, and it's the track that, you know, if you haven't driven it before, then you don't know what you're doing, but... He's um, yeah, but after so much promise in Bahrain, he, he's not really looked anywhere near him. No, no, not since the first race. And I mean, it's I think it's going completely against Helmet Marco's plan. Probably, I think Marco yeah. was hoping Sonoda would uh, smash it, kind of embarrass Gasly, who you know Marco isn't the biggest <laughs> fan of, and maybe no. even take that Red Bull seat soon so that they can have two uh, two Red Bull products back in it. But I mean, at this point definitely not a possibility um, no that looks very short-sighted and there's probably um alex albon still waiting in the wings i do wonder if he's going to get shuffled back into alpha Tauri next year as well because the mm. red bull have been at pains to say he's still a big part of the team he was you know there were photos of him in the in the team celebrations yesterday and i think he's he's still hanging around so <laughs> i i think we both know that that gasly's probably not going to be there come next season but i think sonoda definitely needs to to step it up a bit yeah, I mean, it's hurting the team because they have a pretty, judging by Gasly's results, at least they have a good car. They have yeah. maybe, in terms of outright pace, they're somewhere in between McLaren and Ferrari and Alpine and Aston Martin, I'd say. But that obviously isn't shown in the constructors because Sonoda's just not in the mix. Um, so yeah, he, he does need to pick it up, but there's still a lot of time. We'll end this this Monaco discussion with the inevitable question after what was a... A pretty dull race uh, mm. in terms of on-track action, obviously, <laughs> to say the least. Hey, it was great in the pit stops. Yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> the strategy stuff was interesting. But um, yeah, so 
I'll ask you, should it still be on the calendar? Oh, 100%. Uh, I think it's not been helped by the fact that the cars have got wider in the last yeah. in the last few years, wider and longer. I mean, it, it was hard enough as a place to pass anyway, but, you know, things have conspired that it's just even even harder now with the way that the cars are set up. And like Formula E a couple of weeks ago showed that it can be a brilliant place for racing. Like those those races were so exciting. I mean, don't get me wrong, the cars are much smaller and there was actually room to pass. And it shows that you can still do that. So you can't get rid of the Monaco Grand Prix, surely. You know, it it is one of the triple crown. And if you know if that disappears, then it makes you wonder what what would replace it to yeah. start with. And I and I actually quite like the fact that just for that one race a year. Like those drivers have to show how good they are. They they have to stay on the line. If they go even a few inches off the racing line, then that is it for them. Right. So that you know, as 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 a one-off event of drivers having to show their their class and skill over that length of time, over that many laps, I think you know you can't really get rid of it on on those grounds. Even though the race itself was pretty dull. It, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> my point sort of counteracts itself here but <laughs> I, I quite yeah i quite like the challenge seeing the challenge of it anyway yeah and i think as well i mean it did give us a mixed up uh, a mixed up podium you know we got a, a podium without a mercedes which is a very yeah. rare thing in the hybrid era um, yeah we're going with two <laughs> two midfield teams really ferrari mclaren our midfield teams this year so uh yeah yeah and it is you like it is a good top challenge for drivers uh, it does give us some mixed up podiums and i think the thing is it has been a very good race in the past it's yeah which i think shows the issue isn't the circuit it's it's the cars too big for one but also it's just too hard to kind of follow in dirty air and also there's so much downforce that it's a lot easier to to not make mistakes and therefore be able to defend your position you know i think next year obviously the cars aren't going to be any smaller but it's going to be a bit less downforce so it might be a bit more difficult to defend um it should be easier to follow in dirty air so yeah, I don't know. I think it, it it can get better, and even if it doesn't, you can't take it off the off the calendar. It's uh, it's Monica. Yeah. That's know. it. The, the drivers love it too much. The fans love it as well. But as much for the location and the history as anything else, it's um, yeah, I I, I can't see it happening. Well, um, yeah, that's just about everything from Monaco. Uh, next up, Baku. Looking forward to that. Should be a street circuit with a bit, well, a lot more action. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it's about four or five lanes wide, isn't it? It's um, it, it's a much better circuit in terms of being conducive for overtaking that massive straight that, uh, that takes you all the way down to, to turn one. It's, um, you know, plenty of opportunities for overtaking. It's a good... Well, it's a good layout. I mean, they've got the tightest, uh, tightest corner in Formula One, I think, going up past the yeah, castle. Yeah. I think that's, uh, and it's, you know, it's a good challenge for the drivers, good overtaking opportunities. I've really enjoyed all the races there so far. And hopefully we get the same again. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, no, I'm really excited for it. It's, uh, it usually delivers Baku since it's joined the calendar. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, well, that's in uh, two weeks' time. So, we should be back here to discuss that then. And well, in the meantime, thanks for coming on, Henry. Anytime. And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening as well. Um, before the next race, you can find us on Twitter. Twitter's planet underscore F1. Our Facebook is just planet F1. Um, 
And our website's planetf1.com where you can find, uh, oh yeah, all the latest news, features, and yeah, anything else. So yeah, thanks again, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. It's time to move out of diesel. So make the move to Dennis Mahoney Kilbarrick and Toyota's incredible range of self-charging hybrid electric cars. With finance contributions of up to €3,000, join the thousands of hybrid drivers enjoying lower taxes and cleaner air. You'll never take a wrong turn with Toyota, Ireland's best-selling car brand. Visit Dennis Mahoney Kilbarrick today. Toyota. Built for a better world. Terms and conditions apply. Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.